So we were we finished on uh, session one talking about these um, kind of phrases that are becoming more common to us um, that maybe can be translated a little bit into our spiritual journey like social distancing but we should not be social distancing from God or from one another spiritually these days. Time to zoom in um, in our relationship, our personal relationship with the Lord. And then what is a new normal intentionally that we seek in our lives through God's uh, guidance and grace. And I'd like to launch into this um, second part of reflecting. So these were all kind of about how do we come to Christ? How do we allow Christ to come to us in our lives as we long for him? So that coming that we're called to um, in preparation for Advent. But then I said at the very beginning, we're called to go as well, right, into the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the second half, I'd like to reflect a little bit on the going forth in this Advent season. We may not typically think about going forth in Advent. We think about more about waiting and longing and um, seeking. But I think Advent is a perfect time in the midst of our longing and seeking to also be active in going forth to share good news, um, especially of the, uh, the coming of our Christ the, Christ the Lord in the Incarnation. And so the fourth thing I'd like to reflect on this morning is this word quarantine. Quarantine. So it's become common that we, if someone gets a virus, they have to quarantine, right? And um, I want to propose that spiritually we should not quarantine, right? Physically, fine, but spiritually to quarantine is to separate us off from the world in which we live, particularly the people in which God has placed in our lives. And so spiritually we should be connected with God and one another. So great saints were made in tumultuous times. You think about that. I mean, if, if you look at the history of Christianity, um, in any difficult time in the world, great saints come out, came out of that time. And saint makers um, can, comes, come out of tumultuous times. So people who help make saints or invite people to the faith. Um, I want to reflect just a bit as we think about the, the idea of not quarantining, but rather to go and make disciples of all nations by reflecting on a story um, that is, again, a tradition of the faith. Uh, we don't ha see this ri written in, in, in uh, an early church document or in uh, scripture itself, but a tradition of faith is that after, uh, the, after Pentecost and the disciples have been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they've been sent out, they've gone out to share the good news in all the world to all the nations, that as you probably remember, Peter ended up in Rome. And in Rome, he, there was great persecution of the Roman Empire. Uh, ca Christians, Catholics were being killed and, uh, and were being tortured. And Peter was kind of a prime target because he's the one sharing the faith. He's the one spreading it, right? And with, very contagiously. And he, at one point, Peter gets discouraged because he sees that it's risky business to the degree that, you know, he might die uh, for sharing the good news. And so he's discouraged, and he, tradition has it that he's headed out of Rome to kind of go into exile or to hiding. And on the way, he meets, on the, on the road, he meets Jesus going into Rome. And he says, this is now the risen Christ, right? And he meets Jesus, which is Peter has done before. He uh, came in contact with Jesus after he rose from the dead in the upper room along the uh, sea of the shore of Galilee when he asked him, you know, three times to Peter, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? 
And so now he runs into Jesus again, and it's, so he says to Jesus, Kovadis, where are you going? Kovadis, where are you going? And Jesus says to him, I'm going into Rome to be crucified again. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to take your place. If you're not going to stay, then I'm going to go, and I'll do it again for my people, for those who I love for their salvation. And of course, what does Peter do but turns back around and goes back into Rome to be persecuted and eventually martyred? It's a great question that we um, should ask of ourselves. Where are we going and who are we bringing with us as we go? A a brief reflection in this time of year on um, the Holy Family may help us to think about where are we going and who are we bringing with us as we go. I want to propose that as we reflect for a few minutes on Mary and Joseph, particularly with Jesus, um, that there are two virtues that are essential for all Christian life to be fruitful. For us to grow in virtue, to us really to be who we're made to be, there are two, I propose there are two foundational virtues that one must kind of really have innately in their lives that I think Mary and Joseph boldly um, both owned and lived in their lives, and they are humility and courage. I think if we want to grow in any other virtue, we've got to be humble. That, that means we've got to seek God's way and his will versus our way and our will. And then we've got to take courage because it's not easy uh, to have conversion generally in our lives. It was not easy for um, Peter to go back into Rome, right, to share the good news. But he humbly and courageously did that. And Mary and Joseph are those um, great examples of humility and courage in so many different ways. But thinking about this time of year, think about the Annunciation. Of course, that we celebrate that back in March, but the Annunciation is the beginning of you know, the, uh, the, the, the truth that Christ, the Incarnation, would come into the world, Emmanuel, and that Mary would be the mother of God. And in that moment, what did Mary do but to say a humble yes to the unknown, a humble yes to what she had no idea was going to be in her life, and yet she was faithful and true to God, and she humbly said yes. Joseph's dream is another example of humility. The first dream, right, where he finds out, he's like, Mary's with child, he's like, what the heck is going on here, and how did we get here, and oh my goodness, and you know, my life's being turned upside down, and um, does any of this sound familiar to you guys these days? Like, you know, the unknown, the unfamiliar, how did we get here kind of questions, (laughs) I think for all of us. And here they are, right? They live this in a different way than we are, but similarly, the unknown, the unfamiliar, the, in fact, there could have been fear and great anxiety, but Mary says yes, and Joseph in a dream, when he's told, do not be afraid, takes courage. He also humbly says yes, but takes courage then to take Mary into his home, and even so much to be able to name him, to name the Christ, uh, Christ the Son of God, as Jesus. These, these yeses and then the courage to live them out are foundational for our Christian journey, right? And the, the great model of these two saints and the Holy Family can give us inspiration in these days especially to be able to go forth and share the good news with others. What did they do? Mary then made haste. She didn't sit around 
uh, she didn't kind of dwell on the fact that there was a lot of unknowns and what are people going to think and what's next week going to be and when will this pandem pandemic be all over and all this stuff. She just said, I, I have to go make haste to visit my cousin Elizabeth, who is with child. And so she traveled 60 miles, kind of humbly again answering God's call to go to, to serve in a life of charity for a few months, uh, caring for her elderly cousin Elizabeth, who is with child John the Baptist. She travels about 60 miles across the desert. You know, that had to take humility and courage again. She returns back, and then they're called, Mary and Joseph, as Joseph takes Mary into his home. Now they're called to go to, to, um, to Bethlehem because of Caesar's census. Again, they're like, what is going on in our lives? I mean, what, what could be next that we turn our lives upside down? And now we have no money. I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know where we're going to stay when we get there. My wife's with child. How am I, you know, what, all these questions. Where will the child be born? God said that he's a savior of the world. And now we're being, you know, kind of thrust into this journey off to Bethlehem, the home, uh, the original home of Joseph. So he has to go back where he is from, where his ancestry is from. And as they arrive there then, um, they uh, encounter all kinds of difficult circumstances as we celebrate every year in the poverty of being born into a manger, um, that shepherds, smelly shepherds would be the first to visit the Christ child, all these things that just are kind of out of the ordinary, yet they were steadfast and humility and courage, only then to be told that in a dream again that, he, that Joseph must take his wife and flee to Egypt because all the holy innocents are going to be killed by the edict of King Herod. And again, then to rise up in the unknown and unfamiliar places and be able to care for his young family in those circumstances. I bring all this up because if we really are going to be authentic Christians in Advent or any other time of the year, then we have to be prepared to both come to Christ every day in our lives and then go forth to share him with others. If we really have a personal relationship with the Lord in his church, then we can't help but to go. We have to share the good news. I mean, it's, it's just innately in us because we are so convicted. And that's what Mary and Joseph were doing out of humility and of courage. In fact, we could say that Mary was the first tabernacle, the first tabernacle, right, carrying Jesus into the world. And we could say that Joseph led the first Eucharistic procession where he led them, you know, in the time of Bethlehem and into Egypt. We could say that he led the first Eucharistic procession in the world in which we live. And so these things took humility and courage to really desire to bring Jesus to others. Anybody ever been to Bethlehem before? Everybody been to Bethlehem? You, you, maybe you remember this if you were there at the church of the nativity. If you ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land, oh my goodness, I hope you can because it's just a life changer because of these places where Jesus walked and the Holy Family walked and the, um, the, the apostles, the early saints. But there at the church of the nativity, I'll never forget uh, being struck almost, um, you know, like to the ground myself by an image that is there. This church that's built over the place of what they believe to be the cave, which uh, Jesus was born in, they called the Church of Nativity. This site was claimed by St. Helena 
um, the, the mother of Constantine, who had this conversion member in the fourth century to Christianity and then brought the, Ro the whole Roman Empire to, to, um, to be open to Christianity. So Helena now sets out. It was through his mother that um, Constantine came to know Jesus and came to know the church. And so she sets out to claim these holy sites. And as she does, as she goes to the Holy Land, she claims several, like the Holy Sepulchre, the place of Jesus' crucifixion and death, and a church is built over it. One of the most beautiful sites, of course, is in Bethlehem, over the place of the birth of Jesus. And this church is humongous. And um, as you go up to it, there's, these, there's all these big um, wooden door entrances that you can enter through. Probably 15 people could walk through all at the same time. But there's one little door, one tiny door. It's, it only fits one person at a time wide. And it's about three foot high. And it's called the, church, the door of humility. And so if you don't bow down, you just smack your face right into the stone, right? I mean, you're just like you're humbly knocked down uh, because you're not willing to bow down. And that's the point of the door. The door of humility reminds us that unless we're willing to bow down to Christ and then rise up with him in the other side as we enter into the place of his birth, that we will be humbled in our lives in other ways. And I love this image because... Again, our evangelization, our sharing of the good news, our going forth can only be out of the love of God. It can only be out of the relationship that we have with him and the hope that we have in Christ. And so this kind of beautiful image of this time of year, um, the door of humility reminds us that we must be humble and then we must be courageous to go forth to share the good news. And that's what Mary and Joseph lived every day of their lives with Jesus the unknown, the um, uncertainty of today and tomorrow, and we get that in a very particular way. And if we haven't connected it yet, we should, because um, we are living in uncertain times. And we don't know next week or the week after exactly what's going to happen in the world in which we live with this pandemic, with um, social unrest, with political unrest, with unrest in the church itself, right? And so these are great role models for us in a time of uncertainty, to be humble, to follow God's will and way, and to be courageous in our journey of sharing the faith. And so no quarantining. We are called to be saint makers. We need to still find ways. Remember the new evangelization said that we should find new ways with new ardor to be creative, to share the good news. Well, if we want to share the good news with people today, we've got to be creative, and we've got to find new ways, and we have to have new ardor, um, new energy to do that. And so we do. We get creative, and we find ways that God is calling us to share um, his will and his way with others. That means we've got to be contagious, and that's the fifth point today is um, not contagious in a physical sense of having the virus, but we've got to be contagious with Christ. In other words, if people don't see our zeal, if they don't witness our love for the Lord and his church, if they don't see us living it contagiously um, with God and for others, then it'll just be kind of empty words for them, right? Um, I'd rather see a lesson any time than hear it, right? We've heard that before. Um, St. Francis Sisi, I'm not sure he was actually the one that said this, but um, uh, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words, right? So that's to, to be contagious, to live our lives contagiously for Christ means not only will we be a great example for others, but also that we will be willing to invite others because we're confident in our relationship with the Lord and that there's the only way 
to eternal salvation is through him. And so, be contagious, yes. I started uh, today by speaking a little bit about Andrew introducing his brother Peter uh, to Jesus. And he's, you know, John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God, and Andrew's um, deeply moved, and now he contagiously has to go um, share the good news. We have found the Messiah. But he doesn't end there. He says, now I want to introduce you to him, Peter. You're my brother, and I need you to know him just like I know him. And he doesn't assume that just because he's told him that he's found the Messiah that Peter believes, but rather he takes him to him. Right? He takes him to him so that he can meet him and that he can develop a personal relationship. He can be struck by God's presence in his own life. And that's a call for each, all of us because what happened after that was even more phenomenal. Is Peter then uh, came back and he shared the good news with Philip and then with the Bartholomew. And all these people now are following, are seeking Christ in this personal way in their lives. And they became the early church. You know, he built the rock. They built On this rock, he built his church, and the gates of the netherworld will not prevail against it, promised Jesus. And so Andrew's invitation to Peter is profoundly powerful. Yes, they were the first apostles, two of the first 12. But so, too, is our invitation. God wants to continue to build his church upon this rock right here, upon each of you, through your invitation through your contagious love for the Lord and your invitation to others. And so it's a great question, I think, in this Advent as we, yes, dive deeper in our own personal relationship, but our relationship with the Lord is not private. It is personal, but it can't be private. It has to be open to sharing with others. And some might say, well, it's difficult, Lord, and it's difficult, you know, when we're talking to the Lord in these days to um, to be able to do this because we're all, you know, isolated or we've got quarantines going on. We got, we're supposed to socially distance. We're supposed to stay home, all these things. But that's where we got to ask the Lord, how do you call me to be creative and have new ardor and new zeal in sharing the good news? And I would propose this is one of the best times in our lives ever to invite people to Christ. I'd say that because, you know, a lot of people are asking the same thing, like, like they're asking questions, like, why are we here? What's going on? Where is God in all this? What are we to do in these days? And they may be faithful uh, in their lives, and they're asking those questions. They may be seeking and not even know what they're really asking, but they may be open in these days in ways that they haven't been before. And the other thing I found that's really great about these days, it's a gift, is not everybody, but many people have more time on their hands than they used to have. And so maybe there's an openness of investing some time in their own seeking uh, in their lives. I know that there are many who are more busy. Our healthcare workers are stretched thin, and we have people who are, you know, um, really um, have a lot more on their plate because of the pandemic. But for some, and I might even say many, there's an, a, more of a time that they have in these days. And so we can invite others to seek. We can invite others to consider even St. John Paul II would say, propose the faith. We don't impose the faith on people, but we would propose what we believe to be our salvation and our great joy in our own lives. I want to share a couple examples of uh, how this has happened. I've seen it in just in the last couple of months, so that, you know, it's like real. It really happens. It's not like 
It's far-fetched. Yeah, Father said we should do it, but how do we do this? But really, it's happening in our time and our day. Um, a few months ago, as we opened back up to sacramental life in the church, I had a young man who um, came to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I'll call him John for the sake of protecting the seal of confession, okay? But John um, came into the confessional, and he had been away from the church for many years and away from confession. And all, almost always I'll ask in that case, what brought you back? Because so, I'm, I'm just fascinated with how God works in people's lives. And so I said, John, what brought you back? And he said, well, um, he said, you know, in this, this, this lockdown, I just started thinking about, like, what's going on? And is there a God? And my wife and I were agnostic, and we didn't really know if there was a God or not. And I was raised Catholic, and I just started kind of pondering these questions. And then I thought, you know, I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of searching. And so he said, I started to search, and I found um, your website. I found St. John's website, and I got on there, and I started to listen to some things that were pre-recorded, and, you know, these days, everything's being recorded, and so that's a great blessing, right, for all the virtual stuff that's out there, and he said, all of a sudden, I start to go to virtual mass, and I started to think, man, if there's a God, I need him right now, and so going to mass, checking out some, you know, talks that our men's group have given over the years, different things, and all of a sudden, He's in confession, and he's back. He wants to be reunited with God in his church. I'm like, man, John, that is awesome. So welcome back. It's so great to have you. And he said, yeah, but Father, pray for my wife because she's not having it. I mean, she, we, we got married, and she said, you know when I married you that we said we were going to be agnostic, that we were not going to fall into all that religion stuff. And so she's really angry. And I said, well, John, just keep praying for her and be patient. And you know, occasionally invite her to something, and you keep doing what you're doing, and it'll be just fine. So fast forward now to the fall, and um, I'm uh, welcoming people in RCIA along with our deacon, uh, Dave, and I'm looking across the room, and there is John, and there's somebody sitting next to him, I presume his wife, and come to find out, sure enough, it is. So afterwards, I said to, uh, I said, hey, it's so great to have you guys here. And he said, and he then testified, he said, Father, you know, the coming back through the virtual kind of reality that we're in, um, I just kept doing what you said and remained steadfast. And now my wife is coming into the church. She wants to become Catholic. And I was like, praise God, this is just so wonderful. And I said, was there any particular moment I asked her, you know, and, the, and she smiled and she said, at one point, he invited me to go to Mass with him. Just that invitation, invited me to go to Mass, and I said yes, and then it was the beginning of a conversion of my own life. So there can be great things that happen in these days of people who are seeking um, I talked to a set of grandparents who, at the very beginning of the pandemic, in the lockdown, the shutdown, they decided that they had, um, they had three adult children who were all away from the church along with their grandchildren, and they decided to invite them all to Easter Mass with them virtually. And they lived all over the country but said, join us together for Easter Mass so we can be connected, and then we'll get together on a Zoom um, gathering afterwards. And they did, and the grandparents are so and the parents and grandparents are so happy because now they said that their kids are watching virtual mass pretty regularly with them, you know, and so as an invitation. Um, these things are real. You know, they are, uh, they are by someone's yes to God themselves, but then a yes um, through an invitation that they presented, a proposal to something more. We all know some people that uh, maybe are away from the church, or away from God, 
I've been there myself, and I can tell you that I'm deeply grateful to all those people who are loving and patient, but also inviting to me to come back, you know? It, if without them, I don't know. It wouldn't have happened. But because of that power of invitation, um, I remember going back to church for the first time after I had this reversion, and I've, I was living near a little town called Edinburgh, Indiana, just south of here. Some of you probably been to the outlet malls down there. And it's a beautiful little um, church up on a hill, Holy Trinity. And of course, like I'm, I'm kind of nervous about going back to Mass, so I slide into the back row and I sneak out early so I don't have to talk to anybody. And I did this for two Sundays. And the third Sunday, I hear um, kind of these footsteps down the sidewalk as I'm sneaking out. And somebody yells, sir, sir. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to talk to anybody. And so I, I stop, and I turn around, and it's this older couple of the parish, and they're like, we, we've just seen you coming, and we wanted to welcome you to our church, and, and who are you? And, they, and I'm like, I'm doomed. I'm in now because they're finding out about me. And so I, I'm sharing a little bit, and they, I tell them about my career, and I've been working with youth for some years, and they said, that is perfect. We need some new volunteers in the youth ministry. We'll get you signed up. And the next thing I know, I'm volunteering for youth ministry, and I haven't even asked to do anything. And they were, of course, at my ordination. I thanked them for inviting me in their own kind of particular way to something more, right? Because youth ministry then led me to a deeper connection with the parish, with the church, with the love of the Lord through serving, and eventually would help me enter into uh, my vocation of life. We, we should ask the question then in this Advent, who is God placing on your heart to propose something more to uh, let's not arrive at Christmas without inviting someone or someones to something more. And it can look a lot of different ways. It could be to invite them to Mass. It could be somebody that you see has some gifts that you invite it more fully into a ministry in the church or to, alongside of you. It could be to volunteer in some way. It could be to say, hey, I'm cleaning out my closets full of coats and blankets to take down to St. John's for the homeless. Would you like to clean out your closet and bring those over and we'll go down and deliver them together? And wouldn't that be a wonderful way to kind of develop a relationship with somebody to serve the Lord through the church that might give open a conversation to something more. Um, be creative. Allow God to place on your heart who, who is it that he would like for you to invite or propose something more to, and then ask him to help you with that. He'll give you the words and the way um, to be not afraid, to be humbly presenting him to others. Archbishop Thompson, our bishop of our archdiocese, in Indianapolis at a, at a confirmation uh, mass a couple years ago, was talking to the kids, the teenagers, mostly teenagers being confirmed. And he said something that has always stuck with me. He said, make your mark on the world or the world will make its mark on you. Make your mark on the world or the world will make its mark on you. And I think that's so true that, like, if we just sit back in these days and we're not intentional about our own relationship with the Lord and we're not intentional about inviting others to him, then the world will just take us over. And, you know, there'll just be remnants of Christianity left after this is all done. But if we make our, if we are intentional about our relationship and we are intentional about inviting others to Christ, at the end of this craziness, there'll be a more vibrant, a more active, a more holy church and faithful among us. But it's up to each one of us. All of us have the chance to do that, to make our mark on the world. And there is no greater mark, right, than to help someone come to Christ, to help them have uh, a relationship with our Lord, to help them come into the Holy Church. 
These days, um, we certainly are called um, to not quarantine, um, but rather to go out and share the good news with others. It is a time to be saints and to be saint makers in our lives. And we, these days are a time to be contagious, to say yes boldly with humility and courage, as did Mary and Joseph, um, to bring Christ to others. And I think we all have that opportunity through his grace. I want to spend the next um, 10 minutes or so just reflecting uh, before a final wrap-up on those, the final set of questions there that you have on, this, on the back side of the sheet. Um, first one is, Kulvadis, where are you going? And are you contagious with zeal for Christ and his holy church? And how can you grow more fervent um, so that you are wanting to go out and share? In other words, to, to be Peter, to go back into the, to the fire of Rome and stand for Christ and stand with his church and boldly proclaim him and share him with others, or even gently proclaim him and share him with others as we meet people where they're at and journey with them. The second question is, how do you hope to take with you, or who do you hope to take with you to your final destination? You know, we're not a, we never do this alone, um, and so saints make saints. Who do you hope to take with you to heaven uh, to make sure that they're there with you? I think they're, that I probably didn't leave enough room on that little blank there for all of us to fill in, right, of who we want in heaven. But you can just um, start listing names because that's, that's important. And then who is one person that you, as you place yourself before the Lord here in his real presence in the Eucharist, that you feel like he might be calling you to invite to a great adventure of Advent with him. And who, who might that be? Because we got to kind of say, I'm serious about this, Lord. I'm all in. I'm on board. And so because I am, place on my heart. Who is it? And who or what family maybe even? And what are three things in addition to your prayer for that person and for you to be able to, um, to share that good news or to invite them to something more. What are three things that you could do in Advent to invite or encourage or accompany them in some way? So kind of so maybe some practical thoughts that the Lord places on your heart or mind to be able to really do this, you know, to make a plan so that you can go forth um, even today and begin um, to invite somebody to something more. So let's take about 10 minutes to answer those three questions and then we'll wrap up uh, with just a few minutes in the end. The good news about um, if you haven't finished your reflection is you can always pick that up, you know, in the next day or two and um, take some of these questions to your prayer time and uh, be in your time with the Lord. And um, I want to wrap up this morning with um, maybe a thought of, of danger in pursuing this relationship with the Lord and of sharing the good news with others. Like I said, this, these things are risky, but there are these great risks that we take. But almost always, if something great is happening in someone's life where they're making movement towards God, or they're making movement towards sharing God with others, there will be danger. And the father of lies will want to get in there and mess with you. He will want to kind of stifle that. He'll want to put an end to it because it's the last thing he wants is for people to move towards God and be in a relationship with him to become saints. Several years ago, um, on a, I'm a chaplain at IUPUI as well as um, I work at St. John's, and I love working with the college students because they're just, it's the young church, and um, there's a lot of questions, and there's a lot of vibrancy in that ministry um, as well as in the, in the parish. 
And um, a few years ago, uh, we had uh, uh, this desire from a group of students because one of our houses on the campus is named after St. Teresa of Calcutta. And so there was a, you know, it's a women's house on the campus. They're in intentional formation as Catholic women together to live the faith. And anyway, there was this desire of them to go to Calcutta to serve in the missions with, uh, of St. Teresa. And so after about a year, we found some ways and some uh, means to be able to make that trip on a mission trip to Calcutta. And I told the, uh, the students that, kind of beware, because you're getting ready to do something really extraordinary in your lives. It's a mission. It was also going to be kind of a pilgrimage where we went to the, uh, the, the site where uh, St. Thomas the Apostle is buried and also St. Francis Xavier there in Goa on the other coast of India. And um, so I said, if you really enter into this, beware, because there's going to be some attack along the way to get in the way of this whole thing. And I said, I don't know what it'll be, but just be ready and just say, when it comes, just say, get behind me, Satan, and you keep moving forward and turning towards God. Well, the, the, the young women that were on the trip were kind of citing some things beforehand, some of their challenges that had happened, and they were grateful that there had been, like I had said something, so they kind of knew how to work through that and whatever. And I said, well, good, I'm glad that's kind of all behind us. Famous last words, we are now in flight, and we're going to make a connecting flight in New Jersey to just a short little puddle jumper flight over to, um, to Washington, D.C., and then fly there out to um, India. And um, we're on the runway. We're all loaded on that, um, that transition flight there in New Jersey. And it was going to be a short turnaround. Like, we only had about a half hour on that connecting flight once we landed. And so we're ready to go, and I'm like, oh, good, we're right on time, and it's going to be no problem. And then we're not leaving, and we're not leaving. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what is going on here? So I'm kind of looking around. I can tell the, you know, the steward and stewardess are all kind of talking, and there's a buzz going on, and they're looking out the window. And I, I look out the window, and there's a truck that is parked right of, like on the side of the plane where the wheels are by the wing, So we, we made it. Uh, we eventually, there was some, a de, another delay, but we eventually all made it to India, and we had a wonderful um, uh, 12 days with the missionaries of charity, and it was super fruitful. I mean, there was just a grace upon grace in that trip, which was a sign that the devil who drives a poop truck wanted to get in the way, right? And so beware that when we're on these journeys, I know you are aware, but we have to be able to not buy into it. But you might, as you think about going out to inviting somebody, somebody something more, the father of lies will say some things like this. Um, you're, they're going to ask you something that you don't have the answer for, and you're going to be embarrassed because you're supposed to be the good Catholic, and then you're not going to be able to answer their question. Or the father of lies will place fear of rejection in your head. What if they say no? then I'm going to be rejected. That's going to be good. Or the Father lies will say, you don't have enough time for that. You, you're too busy. You don't have enough time. Or the Father of lies will say, um, I don't think they want to be asked anyway. They'll, he'll try to convince you to prejudge them, right? I don't think they, they'd want to be asked. They probably wouldn't want to do this anyway. Um, they're, they're not that kind of person. They probably wouldn't buy into God or faith. Or the Father of lies will say, They'll think you're a holy roller, and you're going to get labeled, right, as that holy roller. It's always inviting everybody to Jesus and to his church. Well, that's 
all sewage thinking, right? It is all father of lies thinking. And so don't let it happen. Don't get those lies and whatever they are that, that, that he'll put into your head, get them out. Because we're made for more than that. And Christ is calling us more than that. Where is Christ in COVID Christmas? He's with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's with us every moment. Where are you? Well, we've reflected on that a little bit this evening or this morning, and God calls us even deeper, all of us, to join in relationship with him. Where do you hope to be for Christmas? I think we all hope to be more the people God made us to be uh, at Christmas time. Will you be a step closer to becoming a saint, a saint maker? May this Advent be a great adventure for us all with God and his holy people. May we look back on this Advent at Christmas time and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for um, this great uh, Advent season in which I've drawn closer to you and I've invited others to you. With that, let us close in a, in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious Father, we thank you for the gift of gathering in your name this morning in the Holy Church. We never want to take for granted that our church doors are open, that we're able to gather for the sacraments or for um, growth in our own faith journeys like that we have this morning. Thank you for keeping our churches open, Lord. Thank you for the season of Advent, a time of hope and preparation and longing and seeking. Thank you for placing in our hearts people that you invite us to call more deeply into relationship with you and your church. Thank you for the gift of um, those who in this, in this um, church this day that have been doing this for years and have been uh, a light in the world and been contagious um, to share you with others. Uh, for those of us that have any fear, any anxiety, um, any trepidation, um, help us to cast that out and have the Father of lies behind us and you before us. And as we uh, go forth this day, may we continue to be your hands and feet and voice in the world. May all that we do and say glorify you. And we ask this through Christ our Lord, through the intercession of our blessed Mother Mary, as together we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, your families, in this Advent. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for allowing me to be with you this morning.